sing together to worship. You have total freedom to lift and shout and sing. Let's do it together. Amen. 
And uh, my wife and I were talking that uh, uh, we, um, we, we, we ran out of room this morning, which is a good thing. Uh, but uh, we will uh, be looking at that, and, and, and have, I'm praying soon that, uh, that, that the tape can come off. Anybody, will anybody agree with me in prayer? Yes, that the tape will come off, and uh, that we'll be able to, uh, to use the full capacity of our building, and that would be awesome. But uh, last week, we, uh, we began to look at it as we begin to think about Easter. We, we begin to think, you know what? We could preach a, a normal Easter service, a normal Easter sermon, uh, but when we begin to look at it, we realize that most people know that, that Jesus was crucified on a Friday and that he was put into a tomb and, and that he rose again on Saturday and, and, and they know that, that he died for our sin. Uh, the issue is not knowing what Christ did. The issue is, is more of the fact that life is hard. Life is difficult. Uh, it, it's sometimes very hard to, to, to live a Christian life. Because things happen. And we go through things in our life. And as we go through life and things begin to happen, what happens is they begin to attach themselves to us. Things that, that, that we're going through, they, they, they take on and they become strongholds in our life. And so we end up carrying things around that, that we don't have to really carry. So as we begin to, to think about that, the, those thoughts were the catalyst for this sermon series that we've entitled Baggage. Now just a, a brief recap. Last week we talked about how that, that when you go to the airport, you will see people, and, and even after they go through security, they're, they're dragging their luggage around and they're carrying all this stuff. And the reason that they do that is because they're trying to avoid baggage claim. So they're struggling with, with all their, their luggage and, and they're having to, to shove it in overhead bins when they get on the plane or they're trying to, to make it fit under the seat and, and they have all of that thing. And, and I tried that on our last trip. But I quickly realized that that really wasn't the best way to, to travel through the airport. So on the way back, I just walked up and handed them the luggage and said, here it is. And when we think about that, that's, that's just the best way to handle it. Here it is. I don't want to fool with it. You take care of it. And I was able to walk through the airport in complete freedom. I was able to, to, to not have to worry about anything because I knew that somebody else was taking care of my baggage. And when we go through life, we have to understand and realize that, that we have baggage. And we have to, to be willing to admit that we have baggage. And then once we admit that we have baggage, we have to be willing to give it to God and say, you know what, God, I don't want to struggle with this anymore. I don't want to carry this anymore. I'm tired of, of having to, to be bound and tied down by these things that I'm carrying around. So here, God, here it is. You take care of it. And so last week we talked about checking our baggage. This week I want to talk about a type of baggage that many of us have. Now, if you've been around here very long, or, or if this is maybe your first Sunday, I will tell you that, that we believe that relationships are an important part of life. And that what we do outside of a Sunday morning is just as important as what we do on a Sunday morning. And that is living life and doing life together. One of our core values is just life is better together. But the problem with that is, is that when we're going through life and we're doing life together, sometimes we're going to get hurt. Sometimes there's going to be this aspect of, of relational baggage. Things that, that happened in our past and they've wounded us. Well, when I was in 12th grade, I uh, was playing uh, baseball and and I had a pretty traumatic injury. It was, I'll never forget it. It was April the 11th. And uh, it, basically, I graduated high school in a wheelchair. Um, the, the first day that I walked in a walking boot was the day of my graduation. But, but I had this, this injury, and it was a broken bones and torn ligaments and, and, and all of this stuff. And to this day, I've got a scar about that long on my ankle. Um, and uh, Reese will look at it and she'll say, what's that? 
You know, this was now. This was back in the early '90s. This was before the advance in technology. You know, before the lasers and all that stuff. I mean, I got the knife. I got the drill. Um, and so when I have that, and I can look at that, and it's a reminder of that pain. How many people have ever had had scars from, from the stitches? Anybody ever had over thirty stitches? Man, you probably have a scar from that. I, I have scars on my wrist. Uh, growing up, we had a, a stove, that, that a wood-burning stove, and, and, and I fell against it, and, and I got a scar right here. And then being the brilliant child that I was, I did it again, so I got a scar right here. But when I look at that, I, I, I'm reminded of the physical wounds. Now, the, the difference is, is that with physical wounds, they'll heal. But you have those scars that serve as a memory. The difference is, is that the wound of a heart is completely different. A wound of a heart can hurt for a long time. Everyone has been wounded. Everyone has been relationally disappointed. Maybe someone died way too soon in your life. Maybe you had, had an incident where, where you lost a marriage. Uh, maybe, maybe you had an abusive mom or an abusive dad. If we sit and think about it, and, and sometimes we don't even realize it, but in our life we have been wounded. Most people experience some type of relational wound. Uh, but the difference is, is that when we experience that, a lot of times we don't deal with it properly. I mean, when I did that to my ankle, if I would have never went to the doctor, it would have never gotten better. I would have never been able to walk again. And with physical wounds in our life, they'll heal. But these relational wounds, people will say, well, well time will heal it. The Bible disagrees. Time doesn't heal anything. The Bible actually says that, that if it's not dealt with, and if you just let it go, that it's just going to get worse. If you don't take care of it properly, it's just going to get worse. Today I want to look at a, uh, an unknown Bible story. It's probably maybe something in the book of Genesis that you may have just skipped right over. And it's really about an unknown person. I mean, I could ask you how many people know who Abraham is, and not Lincoln. But Abraham in the Bible. And most of you would say, yeah, I know who that is. I mean, that's, that's the father of the Jewish nation. He's the father of our faith. You would say, yeah, I, I sang the song. Father Abraham had many sons. Some of you are looking like, at me like I'm crazy. How many people was anybody? Make me feel better. Thank you. If you haven't, go home and Google it. It'll change your life. Father Abraham. But you have to do the motions. And then do a TikTok video too, okay? Um, but we look at Abraham, we say, yeah, we know who Abraham was, but many people do not know who his dad was. His dad's name was Terror. And as we begin to look at this story, it's about six verses in the book of Genesis, chapter 11. But I believe that this story can teach us something very important. Genesis chapter 11, verses 27 and 28, the story starts this way. It says, this is an account of Terah's family. Terah was the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran was the father of Lot. But Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans, the land of his birth, while his father Terah was still living. So when we get to look at this, we see that his father had to bury his son, his youngest son. So you think about this, so this had to be a premature death because that's not the way life is supposed to work. Fathers aren't supposed to bury sons or daughters. So this could have been a disease, it could have been an accidental death. The Bible really doesn't tell us why he died, but he died. And the Bible doesn't tell us, but you have to imagine that it was painful for terror. I mean, the death of a relative is tough. 
I mean, it's hard to, to bury a parent or, or a grandparent. Over the last several years, I've, I've experienced the death of all four of my grandparents, and I can tell you, it's hard. I spoke at three of those four funerals, and it's hard. But as hard as that is, I could not imagine having to bury my child. I couldn't imagine it. Some of you may have been here, you may have experienced that pain. You know the pain that Tara was feeling in this moment. It's not supposed to be that way. A relational wound. Genesis chapter 11 and verse 31, it goes on to tell us this. One day Terah took his son Abram, his daughter-in-law Sarah, which is his son Abram's wife, and his grandson Lot, his, the son of Haran's child, and he moved far away, or he moved away from Ur of the Chaldeans. He was headed for the land of Canaan, but they stopped at Haran and they settled there. Now, you think, okay, wait a minute, I thought his son's name was Haran. It was... And the place that he stopped was Haran. So in other words, in, in order to get to the promised land, which is, it says that's where he was headed. He was headed to the land of Canaan. But instead of getting there, it says he got to a point. He got to the town of Haran. And he stopped. He settled there. Here's a town named the same as his dead baby boy. The Bible says he gets there, he stops, he just settles. And then what, what, what I think is one of the, really the saddest verses in the Bible is the next verse in verse 32. Tara lived for 205 years. I'm thinking that's sad to start. Who, who wants to be 205? I mean, I know how I feel at my age. I almost told you. He lived for 205 years and he died while still in Haran. So he gets to the point, he settles, and he dies. He never got close to the place that he set out to go. And we begin to look at that and, and we look at our life. And we have this baggage these relational wounds, these things that have damaged us. And if we're honest, we'll say, man, those are the things that define me. That divorce defines me. The way that my dad treated me, that defines me. It messes me up. Those things that, that happened while I was in school, the way I was rejected or maybe the way I was bullied, it, it defines me. I can't get past it. It's shaped who I am today. Something happens in our life and it paralyzes us. And we just stop. We just settle. Relational wounds will, will do three things to us. The first thing I want you to understand and realize that relational wounds will keep you from your potential. They will keep you from your potential. If you never deal with the relational wound in your life, it will keep you from getting to where God wants you to get. It'll keep you from reaching the potential that God has for your life. One thing I've learned about wounded people is, is, is when they're wounded, when they have relational wounds, they begin to make bad decisions. They make bad choices because the pain will, will make you crazy. It makes you do things that, that you wouldn't normally do. David talked about this in Psalm chapter 73, verse 21 and 22. He said, then I realized that my heart was bitter and I was all torn up inside. I was so foolish and ignorant. I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. David is saying, when I was going through this, when I was hurt, I became someone that I wasn't. And when you looked at me, you must have thought I was crazy. 
And when we begin to look at our lives and we're going through hurt, the first thing we have to do is we have to, to trust people. You say, well, why would I trust somebody? We'll talk about that a little bit later. But what happens is, is when we're going through this hurt and we have this relational pain, we just stop. Just like Tara did. We just give up. We just say, well, that's just the way it's going to be. Sometimes we even run the opposite direction. Something that you must understand, when the enemy attacks you, the reason that he is attacking you is because it's an attempt to derail you from your purpose. When we look at the town of Haran, we don't know why, in all actuality, why Tara stopped there. But it really doesn't matter. The symbolism is that he stopped in Haran. He settled in a place that God never intended him to be. He never obtained all that God had for him. He had this relational wound that he couldn't get past. The second thing that a relational wound will do is it will pollute our other relationships. Man, being in ministry, I've seen this over and over and over again. I see it all the time. You know, when you're in ministry, you, you begin to, to learn people's hurts and, 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 you, and you know and, and they share with you what they've went through. And, and what happens is, is that when they've had that relational wound, they get to a point and then all of a sudden they think, okay, it's just going to happen again. I'm going to be rejected again. I'm going to be hurt again. Maybe they, they've lived their life and they really don't know what a relationship really is supposed to look like. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you say, uh, Pastor, I just, I've isolated myself because I just, I've been hurt so many times. And, and you push people away who actually care about you. And then what begins to happen when you've been wounded is, is you start to have a negative impact on everyone around you. The people who really care about you. The people who, who want nothing but the best for you. Who are trying to invest in this, this relationship with you. But you don't want to invest in it because you're afraid. You're afraid. And so you, you begin to, to, to put up a wall. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 15 says this. It tells us to look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Pastor, what's it saying? It's saying that, that in your life, you have to be very careful that this relational wound doesn't cause bitterness in your life. Because what bitterness does is, is that it springs up out of nowhere. And then it affects everybody around you. It becomes poisonous. We, we put up a wall. We become defensive. We become distant. Something happens in, in a current relationship that you're in and it reminds you of, of that past relationship and it, that caused you pain. And so in that moment, you just stop. You just settle. Another thing that it will do is it will make you demanding. It will make you become a, a, a controlling person. Because when you're in that situation and you think, well, the reason I got hurt last time was because I wasn't in control. So now I want to control the situation because if I'm controlling the situation, I can keep myself from getting hurt. When in reality, you're pushing people away because you're in security, because you think it's just going to be the same thing over again. Well, we see that with Terah. The, the Bible tells us that, that at one point that Abram, Abraham had to leave his own dad. It affects all of your other relationships. Thirdly, it'll destroy your relationship with God. 
It will destroy your relationship with God. You see, something that, you have to, that we have to understand and grasp is, is that our relationship with people, it's connected to our relationship with God. And we wonder sometimes why we don't have the relationship with God that, that we want to have. But the reason is because that maybe we have some things in our life that we need to settle with people. Mark chapter 11, verse 25 says, But when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Well, when we read that, what is being said is, is that you can't receive what God wants to do in your life if you aren't willing to extend it to others. When Jesus was asked what the most important law was, he said, love God and love people. Love God and love people. They go together. You can't do one without doing the other. I mean, it even shows up in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6 when it says, forgive us our debts as, as we've forgiven our debtors. For if you forgive others when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. He says, you can only be forgiven if you're willing to forgive. So when we think about that, we understand that, that today's message becomes that much more important because we're not just talking about our relationship with people. We're talking about our relationship with God. And these relational wounds will affect our relationship with him. Our relationship with him is so important because he is a God that specializes in healing a broken heart. Sometimes we look to everything else to heal our wounds. God specializes in it. I mean, when I messed up my foot, I didn't go to a heart surgeon. I went to someone who I knew could take care of the problem. We serve a God who specializes. He, he tells us in Psalm chapter 147, verse 3, it says he heals the brokenhearted and he bandages their wounds. That's the God that we serve. That's what God wants to do in your life. Now, for those of you who, who weren't here last week or just to, to recap, our key passage for this entire series is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 and 5. It says, we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds, things that have a strong hold on you of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. We have to realize and understand that, that, that the way that a lot of us live is that we're basing that on a lie. Strongholds held by deception. And the only way to defeat a lie is with the truth. And Jesus said that he was the way, he was the truth, and he was the life. And so last week we looked at some truths. And I told you that we're going to look at truths throughout this series. And today I want to give you three more truths. Three new thoughts. Because the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 12 verse 2 that the way that, that things change is that we renew our mind. We start to think different. Three things that, that you need to do. The first truth is, is that you need to reveal the hurt. Reveal the hurt. Pastor, why would I want to do that? Because you want to get better. But we tuck it away. We tuck it away even though it's obvious to, to, to most people around us. We just tuck it away. We, we want to hide it. And um, that's why that we stress life groups here so much. And, and, and they're growing. And, and as we go forward, you're going to hear me talk about them. You think, Pastor, I've been with you now for four and a half years, and I've heard you talk about them. I'm going to talk about them until I leave. Because they're such an important part of what we do. Having people who 
will walk through life with you. Having someone that you can let know what you're going through, reveal that hurt, someone you know you can trust. Psalm chapter 32, verse three, says, when I refused to confess my sin, my body was wasted away and I groaned all day long. Just seven chapters later in chapter 39, verse two, David writes, but, I, but as I stood there in silence, not even speaking of good things, the turmoil within me grew worse. And what happens is, is, is when we keep these things hidden and we won't reveal them, it says things are just gonna get worse. They're not gonna get better. If you, you choose to keep the hurt to yourself, then it begins to control you. For some of you, the hurt that you have experienced may not have been a, uh, something in life, such as maybe a death, or, but maybe it's at the hands of someone else. You've got a hurt that you can look and say, that person's responsible. They wounded me. Pastor, how do I ever get over that? What am I supposed to do? The first thing you have to do is you have to release the people involved. There's no other solution than forgiveness. No other solution. You look all throughout the Bible. There's no other solution than forgiveness. The longer you hold on to it, that bitterness comes up. You're going to start to, to resemble or to take on the traits of what you're feeling inside. Peter asked the question in Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 and 22, and he said, Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? He said, Seven times. Now, it was Jewish tradition that you were supposed to do it three times. So Peter thought, okay, you know, I'm going I'm to just go above and beyond. I, can I just do it? I'll do it seven times, Jesus. And Jesus said, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. In other words, Jesus was saying infinitely. Forgiveness is the only answer. Forgiveness is the key. Forgiveness has to take place. You have to release that person. I mean, Jesus was our example. First Peter chapter two, verse 23. Said he did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who, was always, who always judges fairly. And Jesus, we talked about in our last series, how that he spent the first 30 years of his life and his entire life here going through the things that we would go through. He said, Jesus didn't retaliate. He was hurt. He said, you got to release them. So you reveal the pain. You release the people who've offended you. And then thirdly, we have to refocus on God's plan for our lives. We have to refocus for God's, on God's plan for our lives. And we've already established the fact that, that the enemy's plan is to keep you from fulfilling God's plan in your life. When we look at the story in Genesis chapter 11, we see that, that Terah, his family, Terah didn't make it to where he set out for. That's the enemy's plan for your life. And what happens is, is that, that we have things that happen in our life and, and we lose focus. Anybody ever lose focus? I, I've, I don't think I'm this bad, but I'm told that uh, I can lose focus real quick. You know, it's like squirrel. So easy to lose focus. It's so easy to forget what we're supposed to be doing. And as we go through life and we have these wounds, we can lose sight of and lose our focus on what our true purpose is. 
there's no greater example in my mind uh, in the Bible than, than Joseph. If you know the, the story of Joseph, you know, he was, his brothers stole him into slavery. And uh, you can read his story and, and you see that the things that happened in his life, and, and if anybody had a right to be bitter, if anybody had a right to say, you know what, you'll get yours when I get my chance, it would have been Joseph. And he finally gets to a point in his life where that he has that opportunity. It is placed right before him. He has the power to do whatever he wants to do to his brothers who had mistreated him. And they're fearful. And Joseph says this in Genesis chapter 50. He said, listen, guys, don't be afraid. Am I God that I can punish you? You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position. Notice the focus. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. So here Joseph is. No doubt he had some relational wounds. I mean, there's probably no wounds any deeper than the wounds that can be created by family. He had some relational wounds. But he had focus. And he looks at the situation. He says, you know what? I've been brought to this position not to retaliate against you. I'm not God. You may have meant to harm me, but I meant it for good. God meant it for good. And he said, I've been brought to this position, and this was his purpose, so I could save the lives of many people. Job chapter 11, verse 13 through 16 says, put your heart right, reach out to God, then face the world again, firm and courageous. Then all your troubles will fade from your memory like floods. They'll fade like floods that are past and remembered no more. Job said, put your heart right before God. Reach out to him. Get it right with God. Reach out to him. And then, just as Joseph stood and faced his brothers, he faced the world. His heart was in the right place. And he was able to look and he was firm and he was courageous. And he said, this is my focus. This is my purpose. This is what God has for me. And you may be sitting here today and you say, Pastor, that's, that's me. I have, uh, I've lost my focus. That's me. I'm struggling. I've got some, some things in my life who, that have hurt me, some things that have, have messed me up. And listen, I'm not minimizing the pain because just as we established in the very beginning, there are absolutely, the pain is real. Relational wounds are real. I'm not minimizing that, but what I'm saying is, is that God wants to heal you. God wants to heal your broken heart. He wants to bandage up your wounds. As I begin to, to, to study for this week, I've told you before, our series is our, our, our planned well ahead of time. And uh, God has this way of, of doing things and I don't know if, it's, if every pastor is like this, but it just seems to happen more often than not for me. Uh, I've known what I was speaking on this week for probably a month. But all throughout the week, I've seen things and talked with people, and, and, and I see the wounds, the relational wounds 
Sometimes it's hard to even get up and speak because I'm thinking, God, they're going to think I'm just talking right to them. But God's good like that. God wants you to know that he sees your hurt. That he sees your pain. That he understands what you're going through. You may be here today and you say, Pastor, that's that's me. I believe that God wants to heal some wounds today. He wants to heal some hurts. The Bible says you just set your heart right with God. That's the first thing. Set your heart right with Him. Commit your life 100% to Him. Say, God, I'm committing everything to you because only He can heal your hurts. The hurts from your past, only He can do it. I'm not asking you to, to, to be more religious. I'm just saying, is your heart right with God? Because that's the first step in this process. Just get it right before Him. It says when you do that, then you can face the world. Bold, courageous. Some of you say, you know what, Pastor, I've... Uh, there was a point in my time that I was walking with God and, and everything was great and, and I just got to that point. I got to my heron and I just stopped. Now I'm stuck there. I'm just stuck. I'm just settled. I feel like I'm going to die right where I am. My prayer for you is, is that you allow God to heal that wound And then that you start walking again towards your potential, towards your purpose, towards the promised land. I'm going to ask everybody to bow your head. If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, that's me. I fall in one of those categories you just talked about. I've been hurt. I've got wounds in my life that, that I know they're there. And I know that I'm, I've come to a point and, and it's affecting everything around me. It's affecting my life. It's affecting my relationships. It's affecting my relationship with people. It's affecting my relationship with God. Pastor, that's me. Would you be man or woman enough just to slip up your hand and say, that's me? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you all across this auditorium. That's me. Relational wounds. They've paralyzed me. I can't get over them. I've got bad news and good news. You're right. You can't get over them. That's the bad news. But the good news is, the great news is, is that you can give them to God who specializes in healing of wounded hearts. Anyone else? I'm going to ask everybody to stand right where you are. God wants to do something in your life. He wants to heal some hurts. So what we're going to do is, is that they're going to sing here just in a moment. And I'm going to pray. And as they're singing and I'm praying, if, if you need prayer, if you want someone to agree with you, I'm going to ask you to to step out and come to this altar. We have people who would, you'll never be in another place surrounded by as many people who love you and who want to walk with you through your hurts. And so as I pray and as they sing, if, if you feel comfortable, 
I'm going to ask you to just to step out. You can kneel. You can stand. I don't always do an altar call like this, but, but, but I, this morning I just feel like that I, I would be remiss if I, if I didn't do that. So if you raised your hand, I'm going to ask you if, if you want prayer, just to step out and let us pray with you. Let us believe with you. Let us cry with you. Father, I come before you right now. God is... You see every hurt in this auditorium. God, you know our pain, our sorrow. God, the things that keep us up at night. The things that seem to define us. God, those wounds, those hurts. Father, I pray today. God, that you will allow, wrap your arms of love around us. Let us know that we don't have to carry that baggage. God, that we don't have to, to lug it around. God, it doesn't have to define us. God, we don't have to, to, to stop in Heron. But God, that you want to heal us. You want to change us. You want us to be able to reach our potential in you. The proverbial promised land. God, you've told us that even when we were in our mother's womb that you knew us and that you had a plan for us. Father, I pray right now. Father, that your love will fill us today. God, that we can leave here changed. God, that the healing process can begin. God, that we will not settle any longer. That we won't be defined by these relational wounds any longer. Father, do a work that only you can do. Father, heal hearts that only you can heal. In the precious name of Jesus.
He's holy. He's holy, but he's loving. He's holy, but he's the healer. And I pray that something was said today, that you were challenged, and that God began to do a healing in your life that maybe you didn't even think was possible. But it is. And I pray that you leave here today knowing that we can celebrate his goodness.